Generally, I educate when I have capacity to, but I also know that just because of what I look like, like I said, my body is already politicized, so I know I'm already either provoking or educating somebody just just by existing. And it's not my choice. Das ist der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast, der Podcast rund um Nachtleben und Clubkultur. Wir sprechen mit DJs, Türstehern, Tänzern, Clubbetreibern und anderen Nachtmenschen. Mein Name ist Gesine Kühne und ich bin Jakob Töne. Herzlich willkommen beim Electronic Beats Podcast. Hey guys, as usual, a warm welcome to you. This is the Telecom Electronic Beats Podcast and I am Gesine Kühne. The team and myself were so happy that Lotik found the time to chat with us. Lotik is an exceptional artist who is just releasing her sophomore album called Water. Our interview is quite political because Lotik is a trans woman, thus for her whole existence is politicized. We chatted a bit about Texas, where she's from, about her influence on Berlin nightlife, her first album and, of course, her second album, which will be out end of October. If you feel triggered by topics like harassment and discrimination, maybe skip this episode or listen with a person you trust and you can talk to. Welcome to the Telecom Electronic Beats podcast. I'm going to try to say your name correctly. It's Jay Carrion Morgan. Jay Carrion Morgan. Yes. Okay. Also known as Lotik. I'm very happy you're here. You found the time. Uh, it's a very special time for you because your sophomore album is coming up end of October. Excitement? Very much excitement, <laughs> of course. Yes. It took me two years to finish this bitch. So <laughs> can I cuss? Of course you can. Okay. It took me two years to finish this bitch. So. I'm very excited. We're going to go into that a bit later on the mm -hmm. podcast. First of all, since we're both Berliners, you almost are a real Berliner. You almost, you're, you've almost been here 10 years. Oh, trust me, I've been a real Berliner. Yeah, that is <laughs> 10 dark, gray, awful winters. Yes. And I think every Berliner says, it's okay. Yeah, you can call yourself a Berliner then. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I'm getting away from my first question. <laughs> the nightlife is slowly coming back. Clubs are opening. I was actually out this weekend and we're recording on Monday. Full disclosure for everyone. It's a Monday. Have you been out? A very cloudy, very humid, like weirdly Houston Monday. Mm -hmm. um, I have been out-ish. I have not been to a club. I was turned away from my friend's club night the other night. I'm not even going to name this club because fuck them. <laughs> After, um, I mean, I respect the safety measures, but, but because I did not have a digital QR code as my proof of vaccination, mm -hmm. they were like, ma'am, you cannot enter this club. And I was like, okay, I'm taking my ass home anyway. I didn't want to come here anyway. But I've been out to bars and restaurants and things, which is, that's more my vibe, is I can do what I need to do, get drunk, get fed, <laughs> go home. <laughs> I'm 32 now, almost 33 in March. And so going to a club, to me now, after being a DJ for a decade, is like, uh, 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 no. Are there certain places in Berlin or the rest of the world you really enjoy going? Um, some places you would even consider be like a proper safer space it's not really about safety as much because now i'm like 
passing from pretty privilege, which is, we can get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's just more of like a cultural kind of like, I think it's more apparent now kind of the energy that it takes to be in a space where you're the only black person, you're the only trans person, Mm -hmm. you're the only person that's there that hates techno. (laughs) 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 Like, I don't want to do the oons, oons, oons. I I can't do it unless I'm like very high on all the things Mm -hmm. and my body can't handle that anymore. So... Um, yeah, traveling is kind of where I, I still feel the most comfortable, although Berlin is still one of the best places to go out. I sadly can admit that. Mm. That's still true for me in my reality. Uh, you are from Houston and Texas, mm-hmm. and I heard from my sister, actually, um, <laughs> that there is a very easy access to water. Um, yes. Was that very important for you as a kid? Not really, because Galveston is disgusting. Uh, but there was like a lot of seafood, which you know led to Creole culture, which um, my mother's second husband, uh, his family was Creole, and so there was always seafood, always a crab, always a crawfish, always a gumbo, always a something. Creole to eat, but actually, like being in the water is not something that I experienced really until moving to Europe and being able to go to Greece and having a Greek partner mm-hmm. who could take me to like Kufanisi and these other like fairly remote islands that had like crystal clear water. And like, yeah, um, there was a reason behind the question, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, you know, because um, yeah. your artist name is Lotik mm-hmm. and it uh, means living in water. Um, so I love, I love the water. I've been a swimmer actually when I was mm-hmm. young, so it, it feels so natural for me. And I'm really interested if it's the movement of water or your your movement in water. What's so fascinating about it? I think it's both. I think also there's obviously, like, for black Americans, like, a history in the water, literally. Mm. Um, So it wasn't just, like, me growing up. It was, like, a little bit of everything. It was, like, a little bit that I was always myself. I wish that I was a swimmer. You know, there's this joke that, like, black people don't swim. Uh, but there's also history to that because we were not invited to the swimming pools. Mm-hmm. If we got in the swimming pool, all the white people would get out, honey, because they thought the black would transfer to their bodies. So I, yeah, my name didn't, at the time that I came up with it, my artist name didn't come from that. But this album title definitely is trying to incorporate all of those histories together. And yeah. it's like, I'm this girl from suburban Houston who ate a lot of seafood and doesn't know anything about water who became this person who like is obsessed with the history of you know the souls that were lost at sea and blah 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 mm-hmm. especially after covid like i when you don't know what the future holds of course you look backwards and you're like well if my ancestors could handle what they handled <laughs> i'm sure i can handle a, a flu an intense flu not to dismiss it as you know obviously a lot of people died but it's not something that is worse than what my ancestors went through for sure yeah it's it's quite depressing actually when when you tell that story because i mean history is constantly repeating mm-hmm. if we yeah look to the um actual situation with the refugees from mm-hmm. Syria exactly. and so speaking on speaking of Greece yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um 
it's so hard to come back to like a questionnaire from no no you know? it's it's all part of it yeah. I, that's a, that's one of the things that I also struggle with I've always struggled with as an artist is like everything about what I do is like seems to be politicized and mm. I'm like I'm just another artist there's nothing signif- like extra significant or special about what yeah, I'm doing but, but you I know? mean it does some it does something with mm-hmm. you it also does something with me not only because I'm talking to you mm-hmm. and I'm empathetic it's like it's out there it's it's you know my political beliefs mm-hmm. um, are very leftist so yeah. I would love to save everyone of course, of course right yeah. so that's why it just um, it always yeah it It's <laughs> yeah, I you know what I mean. Right? I understand. Yeah. yeah, there's a weight to it. Yeah, there exactly. There's a weight to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you studied in Austin, Texas, of course. Uh, the claim of the city: keep Austin weird. <laughs> God. <Yes. laughs> so, um, I'm I'm not a big per- person of claims, I have to admit, but oh, it did it live God. up uh, to its claim Absolutely for a queer young person. <laughs> You couldn't tell by my first cackle. Yeah. I'm going to cackle again and tell you absolutely not. That's a big reason, actually, that I left the entire country was mm. because I was, like, starting to DJ there during my studies at University of Austin, the University of Texas at Austin. Go Longhorns. Woo. UT, exactly. The Longhorns. So it's very, it's, it's still very wide, right? It is yeah. very wide. It's all yeah. rock and roll. They call yeah. themselves the capital of music. But if you play Destiny's Child <clears throat> from 20 years ago and try to twerk once on the bar, then you're kicked out for life. Like your band, like, sorry, we don't listen to that here. And it's like, this bar is in the Latin part of town, though. So what you gonna do when the bachata comes and the Cumbia and the what? What's what's gonna happen then? Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard it's changed slightly since the last decade, but I was like, I gotta go. Like, mm-hmm. I it was such a turnoff because it wasn't only that; it was the political land, landscape as well. Like, this was like pre. It was like Obama's first term, yeah. but I could like I could see that the Trump moment was going to happen. Like, I knew there was gonna be a wild reaction to Obama. And also, as an artist, I was like, there's no funding here. There's no support here, especially in Texas. Yeah. Also, y'all are murdering black people left and right. So I got to go. Especially Texas. I mean, Austin is, is a bit of an, I, of an island. It is. But, I mean, it's just like, I, I, I mean, I've been to Austin, mm-hmm. obviously. And, of course, it's as a white person, it's a bit alternative, you know, for your European. <laughs> it's, you know, some good food and it's it's nice mm-hmm. to explore. But just stepping outside of the city and it's all like it's, armors, armors all, for sale yeah. on, and and go Trump big signs. And I was like, what the fuck? Where am it's, I really? You're in Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the moment you leave the city, even Houston, which is like probably twice as big as Austin, is mm. like as soon as you leave like the city, um, the county lines or whatever, it's like. Oh, yeah, I'm still in Texas. Um, I read you found your way to Berlin through a boyfriend. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know who printed that, but that's true. Um, <laughs> not through. Well, yes, it was through actually because he got a, we were both we were both looking for jobs out of Austin. I got a job in Montreal and it fell through because it was a startup and they ran out of money. And, like, six months later, he got a job here at Ableton, of course, 
my husband works at Ableton. We're not we're no longer together. We're still married though. That's why I'm saying mm-hmm. husband. Yeah, I didn't want to come. He didn't want me to come, but it was kind of like since they were paying for everything, like let's try it. <laughs> and luckily for both of us it was fine enough, but we did break up after two years. But you did have a job as at Ableton as well. No, 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 no. I was like, my visa was like, you can just be here as a housewife. Okay. Like, and so that's mm-hmm. when Janice started because we all needed jobs. And so we just were booking ourselves. Okay. Um, Janice is actually my next point Great. on the list. <laughs> You've done your research, honey. I love it. Um, I'm going to quote the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's on the internet, you know. <laughs> so the New York Times described Jenna's uh, collective as part of an enclave of American expatriates taking over sleepy venues, creating their own parties and leaving a significant, significant imprint on the city's musical program. We did do that. I mean, I remember when we when I moved here, no club ever even heard of a CDJ. And now look, they're they're everywhere. It was either vinyl or laptop. That's it. I remember that. We had to explain to so many clubs and venues that this CDJ is the perfect in between. Anybody who knows vinyl and anybody who knows the laptop can use a CDJ. Yeah, but not only that. Um sorry to mm-hmm. interrupt. I remember hearing of the collective as like the really new hot thing um, because even queerness wasn't as visible in the city just 10 years ago, which That's is true. insane, right? Yeah. Uh, just, oops, that was me. <laughs> just uh, think of the times now where there is a bit more visibility, especially if you are uh, part of a certain bubble. Yeah. It's it's very visible, which is good. Um Did it change? Did you push some change uh, here in the city? I mean, it's hard to say. I definitely know we pushed change in terms of like the musical landscape, but I'm not sure. Sometimes I feel like we can take some credit for that. Mm. And other times I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. Because we always had meetings like, how can we make it more queer? We're talking to these straight rich people coming to our parties. But I was actually the only... Um, Me and, like, one of the organizers out of, you know, the five of us were the only queer people. So it was kind of like a weird conversation in a way to have. But we were modeling ourselves off of, like, Ghetto Gothic in New York and, like, these other much more queer parties. But Mm. we're in, you know, Berlin and we're presenting something that's completely new for the city. And I think at the time we didn't realize how new it was because to us— It was derivative, and it was, you know, our version of something else that we had seen before. But, I mean, yeah, I guess to answer your question, yes and no, because I think now queerness is way more integrated, and, like, you can have, like, the specifically gay white male parties, but you can also have just, like, a space that's just, like, for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's really all about marketing, and it's all about the music, too. It's like, it can't all be, everybody don't want to hear that. Even if it is music made by queer people, it's like black people want to hear some 808s. Queer people want to hear, you know, there's a certain just like you got to talk to the people in their Mm -hmm. language. Mm -hmm. So I think we we started it 
but people, I'm glad that people have taken it to the next yeah. level over the past few years. You said something very interesting about the CDJ. Mm -hmm. um, I, I fi personally find it, it's, a, it's a great in instrument, actually. You know, I love vinyl, mm -hmm. for sure. But the possibilities you get with the is CDJ crazy. is really crazy. <laughs> because if you say you want some, blah, 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 mm -hmm. you know, um, take, I don't know, a really great old disco track, which maybe doesn't fit into mm -hmm. any other, you know, mix, but you can make it. You can make you it can fit. You can make it fit because you have the possibility in of. In two seconds. I mean, it's the perfect. I'm still sometimes in awe. Like when I'm DJing, I'm like, how am I able to do this? Like. I have three or four of these, and I'm like, like moving seamlessly between them because now I've been able to become as fast as my brain works. Mm -hmm. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, I DJed one time with vinyl at a friend's house, and I was like, "This is boring." After like three tracks, I was like, "I gotta wait for the beat to catch up. Like, why can't I just?" Hello, <laughs> why is this taking so long? You know, it's just a different. Like, I'm just from a different generation. I'm not going to wait for the vinyl to, like, I'm not going to spin, like, uh, no. I'm, I'm, I need to, I need a hot cue. I need a hot cue. Yeah. I need to, I'm much more of, like, a percussionist with yeah. the CDJ. Yeah, we were talking about the queer scene, or just before that, um, becoming more visible over the last 10 years. Do you think social media played a big role? Oh, for sure. We didn't really have that kind of reach on Instagram when we were trying to promote our stuff. We was on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and now just Facebook? our parents and grandparents are. Right, exactly. <laughs> Do you remember Facebook? It was like, how can we get more reach without like printing actual posters? And thankfully, we ended up at Bergheim, you know, main floor. It was Friday nights, but still, that's where we belonged. And then I think they opened Zoila pretty much because of us. Yeah, I was going to say that Zoila yeah. is like the perfect fit, you yeah. know. Yeah, but I remember those Friday nights mm -hmm. being so different from the rest of Berghain. Which yeah. is in a way a bit of a letdown, but at the same time, of course, you're not going to say no to that space. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you have to teach them slowly. That's a problem. Exactly. You know? Like, so. let's infiltrate where we can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll take the Friday night because there's still going to be people in the line, you know. Um, so... Yeah, awareness seems to be growing, mm -hmm. maybe just in my bubble, I don't know, um, but at least it's a start. Is it safe for black trans person? I think once you get there, yes, <laughs> but <laughs> going to and from is still, you know, queerness... We're, we are in a bubble, like you keep mm -hmm. saying, but now I think the bubble is online. I'm on Twitter a lot. I feel very safe on Twitter. And then I leave the house and I'm like, oh, my God, it's only on Twitter. Like, I forgot the binary is still very real. There's no yes. such thing as queerness in the real world. Like, this is just like a very, it's still a very small minority. However, that also means that we have this space. We have Twitter and we have Instagram to promote our tiny safe spaces through amongst ourselves and throughout the community that is online. And so whoever might be visiting or whoever might not have known that that was there around the corner the whole time. Mm. I I'm, you know, both things multiple things can be true at the same time, right? Like it's still not safe for us to like necessarily leave the house like with eyeshadow and a beard, but 
at the same time, when we arrive, we're surrounded by people who do look like us and who do identify with our politics and, you know, we can have lunch with them the next day or whatever. I, like, I keep on following, um, like, educational pages, mm. I would call them, um, especially for Flinter, DJs or musicians, just to you know just get those marginalized groups some visibilities and so on and a lot of people in my peer would say they do educational work for free because mm -hmm. they're constantly explaining so just by your nodding mm -hmm. and your face <laughs> that would be my question if you do the same and it's all for free and I mean it's almost like a full-time job it is and I have tried to kind of stop doing it but like we said when we arrived like we were just harassed by like 10 to 12 year old like pre like tweens and it's like of course a part of you is like you're a child like I'm not going to respond but another part of you is like you're a child <laughs> like where's your mother like Please don't talk to me. Like, just you wait until you grow up a man in this world mm. and see what happens to you and the expectations that your bros put on you. That's why you're harassing us right now is because you think it's cool. You know, I'm... And it also shines a pretty dark light on, on education because, I mean, yeah. kids per se are very... You're not, yeah, yeah, you're not supposed exactly. to know that. Exactly. You're not supposed exactly. to know that. Like, and I mean, I've learned at most women, most people of color learned this very early that you have to pick your battles. And sometimes the battles choose you as well. So my stance is generally I educate when I have the capacity to but I also know that just because of what I look like like I said my body is already politicized so I know I'm already either provoking or educating somebody just just by existing mm -hmm. and it's not my choice and some days some days I'm okay with that some days I'm very much not and that's just the reality You know, that's my life and that's my burden and that, you know, other people are trying to, trying, they're, they're killing themselves to fit in and I'm, I don't have that. So it's like, you know, you take your, you, like I said, pick your battles. They're pick, they want to fit in, I don't. So mm -hmm. we're going to always clash. I would like to talk quickly about your first album because um, while working on it, you were evicted. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get it done? How did you manage? It was, I don't know. I think about this all the time, actually, because I had a, such a comfortable situation with this album. The first one. It was a long process of just kind of just writing. It was just kind of like throwing stuff out there. And I was like mentally transitioning, but I had not yet like, started my medical transition mm -hmm. so it literally was me that's why the vinyl is like literally like there's the male version and then the outer cover is the <laughs> female version because I was like I can't pick but also I want people to know like this is literally my transition mm -hmm. that's why the music is so diverse and so crazy over the course of the record is because I didn't know what was happening <laughs> it was really truly a wild experience even now thinking about it I can't recall any specific moment of recording any of the tracks. I don't remember any of it. Do you remember the feedback afterwards? 
The feedback was cute, you know. Bjork was there. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty never huge, a bad, huh? <laughs> Yeah, that's never a bad thing. Um, I had decent support. It just wasn't what I needed, which was financial support. No shades, Robin. Hello. Um, but it was hard. I was going through a lot mentally. And I mean, not only mentally, because you said you were starting a transition. Um, there were probably hormones involved yeah. as well. So it came out in July 2018. I started hormones in February 2019. Okay. Right. So I, I had a little bit of a life, but then I started mm -hmm. the tour. And then it was like, oh, my God, my body is changing so fast. Which was good. The tour was great, actually. The tour was the only thing that kind of saved me. I was going through therapy and touring, and that was pretty much what saved me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a wild ride, and, you know, I'm still catching up to... I, it's a lot of repair that mm -hmm. needs to be done. So... I'm trying my best to be as patient as I can yeah. because my team now is amazing. But it is a lot of trauma. I mean, on top of everything about the, specifically to the album, everything that we just talked about, you know, that, that's been a long process of mm -hmm. DJing, being by myself with no, no team, no management, no nothing, just me and my agent going to Vladivostok, Russia. Like, <laughs> it's been a wild ride. I've learned a lot. I've experienced a lot. I will not take it back for anything. I would not change anything. But it has been very difficult. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this, pers uh, this question will be too personal. Uh, are you still in therapy? Occasionally. Uh, it sounds weird to say, like, as needed, but... No, I totally understand. I am in crisis mode. So yeah. it's like, if I'm having a nervous <laughs> breakdown, they're like, hello, please help me. Yeah. And she always answers, which is great. But, yeah, it's it's like... Quote, unquote, as needed. No, I just said to my boyfriend earlier today, I'm going to call my therapist for two sessions when yeah. I'm back from holiday because yeah. I'm getting towards old habits. Exactly, and yeah. Same. I don't want that anymore. Exactly, <laughs> like I'm past, I'm supposed to be past those things. Yeah, of exactly. course, you have your coping mechanisms. We all self-medicating, especially after last year. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm taking care of myself. Let me say that. I don't want nobody to be alarmed because I know I sent some alarming tweets in the past couple of weeks. But I'm good. I'm taking care of myself. Yeah, but I also think, I mean, that's, I think if you went through a long term of therapy, um, you have all the tools I to, do, yeah. you know, to keep your well-being up. And even though you're going through a little crisis, you pick yourself up way quicker than before. Sure, sure. So um, I totally get you because I sometimes also get from my friends, hey, I'm a bit worried. I'm like, I understand because mm -hmm, I'm, I'm, I'm in an instable me. state at the yeah. moment. But yeah, exactly. Trust, trust me, me because I would pick up that phone as soon as I need it. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Björk mm -hmm. um, because you did some commission work, remixes for her. How did that all happen? It happened through uh, my previous label, Triangle. Mm -hmm. And she heard the 2015 EP, Hetero and invited me like right away. The album was not even close to being done. I was invited to do one remix. I ended up doing two because I had, it was like, it's Bjork, of course. Also, I was very broke. So I was like, mm, this times two, great, let's do it. Then I was invited to open for her uh, Berlin show. And I was like, what? Yes, but I'm not ready. But yes, obviously I can't say no to this. 
And, you know, sadly, that was kind of it. I think she's, you know, obviously still been paying attention since then. But we haven't spoken really since 2016, 2017. And that's okay. You know, I wasn't expecting to be besties. And (laughs) that was a moment that I was, like, not expecting to happen until, like, maybe now. So I don't take it for granted at all. Because I have, like, every time everyone asks me, who are your influences? Go back to two people. Beyonce and Bjork. <laughs> the two ends of the spectrum, you know. So two biggest bees. <laughs> the two biggest bees. And working bees. <laughs> very very, high very work. they're always yeah. working. That's mainly like because I'm always I have to stay busy. So they're always dropping something, always working with somebody, always doing a remix, always yeah. And I, I really admire that. Your whole existence is a in German, we would say politicum, mm. like a, yeah, you understand what mm-hmm. I mean, right? Um, is the nightlife political? I mean, of course, we all know, I hope, how techno was yeah. founded. Yeah. It's a very political music, actually, and um, black music as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, sometimes I feel like here in Berlin, although we have a big queer scene and we, we want those political events, I find it sometimes a bit bland just it is <laughs> I, I was just gonna say yeah. like my first reaction to your question was I've never been asked to play a political event okay which you know is ironic because like you said my existence has been politicized so it's kind of like these two realities exist at the same time it's like am I this specific thing that everyone's telling me I am or not like because mm-hmm. from the queer scene I'm rejected and then from the mainstream like people who are interested in more interesting quote unquote more interesting challenging music they're not booking me either mm-hmm. that's why Janice exists in the first place because we just had to book ourselves this whole time yeah and that's still true kind of it's not like I'm getting no offers but you know it's not coming from any black scene is not coming from any and they exist I was going to ask I mean, we are a very white country yeah. um, of, of course actually we're not because we have so many um, uh, <laughs> no, Turkish yeah. people but you know just the, the foremost and all you see is very white I just found out there's a queer Turkish club night in Kreuzberg um, like, like a week ago and yeah it's crazy that it's like Sometimes it's so underground that even the people that want to know about it don't hear about it. In in Germany, we discuss a lot a quota for females in mm-hmm. lineups, festivals, DJ gigs, and so on. Females or Flinter, I would rather say Flinter to mm-hmm. open it up more. Is that the uh, e- uh, English for films? Uh, it's the... Uh, like females, Just any lesbian, fem- female identifying. Yeah, exactly, exactly, okay. exactly yeah. yeah. In English, it would be like fems. Okay. Um, do you think a quota is the right way to go? No. <laughs> Why no. not? Because that is putting an imperative on these people who don't care about that, and I don't think, I don't think women or femmes who are into music want to be booked just because they are feeling some sort of requirement. Mm -hmm. That's more insulting than not getting booked in the first place. I would say most people agree with that. (laughs) But but I remember back in the days... It helps, I think, to start to change things. Yeah, because back in the days, I I felt 
tokenized mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know. Oh, you're a cute little girl. Exactly. You know, like, put you yeah. behind the decks, you know. So I'm trying to figure out what's worth. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I think we just need more women in power, period. I think yeah. obviously we're going to book ourselves. Obviously, just like the white men book themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that like, your anecdote re re reminded me of one of my anecdotes, which was when I was playing at Zoila. I was like, it's my own party. And still, the sound guy came up and tried to pretend like I was clipping. It's like, I first of all, I make that's one of my biggest things. I make sure I never hit the red, ever, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I know what it sounds like mm -hmm. on the speakers as a dance, as a person who likes to dance on the dance floor. And also, I'm good at my job, period. It's, and also, it's my party, and we've been doing this part. This floor is open partially because of Janice, and you just started like a month ago. Please get the fuck out of my face. I will never forget. This is like one of my first. This is, I think, even before I started hormones. I was just like in a wig and like had my nails done, and just that was enough to get him out of his booth to come down to me to correct my levels. And like you're just doing this yeah. <laughs> because I know you're not changing anything, honey. Because first of all, I just started two songs ago, and second of all, um, there's nothing. There, to those change. stories up. All over it, the every place. woman I, has the story. I, yeah, I have one where a guy from the dance floor, because I was playing vinyl and it was a bit off, and the guy from the dance yeah, floor corrected, oh corrected the record from the dance floor. I'm like, you would never dare to do that to a male. Because you know you're going to get your ass beat yeah. in front of your girlfriend, in front of your boys. Yeah. Because that's the only reason they're doing it is for posturing and for validation. Yeah. And it, if they were by themselves, they wouldn't be doing that. And it, like even... If stuff like that happens, you know, everyone needs to make their own experience with mistakes and quotes. Yeah, let me know? learn. Yeah, exactly. Tell exactly. me. Exactly. To tell Ex me. Exactly. Instead of. Yeah. It's like you're the little kid. Yeah, I can't I'm trust not a you. Child. Yeah. Like I didn't I didn't like bump into the glass door. Like there's not like glass falling on my face. I didn't like pull a knife on somebody mm -hmm. like. The beat is off for two two seconds. You'll be fine. I promise you'll survive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be just fine. Um, maybe it's too hard on his ears or whatever. <laughs> it's oh my god. She, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> a crime against DJ. <laughs> As if that's never happened before. I think men really like need <laughs> DJing to be like their thing just like they need gaming to be like their thing it's like okay take it girl I'm not fighting for this this is not what I live for I'm not dying on this hill have you followed the election yesterday since you live in, in Germany I saw that I might be able to sign for a lease for a flat now <laughs> <laughs> I definitely saw that two uh, trans women got elected into parliament really yes from the green party yeah Okay, now I need to look this up. Yeah. Thank you for telling me. Yeah, I thought you might like that. I hope they take <laughs> care of us because <laughs> it would be really bad if they turned out to be monsters. I mean, th this is um, this is one of. Do you feel good about it? It is on their agenda. <laughs> okay. So I really hope. Okay. And as I mean, if they're in the opposition, you know, opposition parties are always very important as well. That's you true. Know? To balance, you gotta balance yeah. it. Yeah. You have to. Say yay or nay to law, right? <laughs> so let's talk about the new album, Water. Mm -hmm. There it is again. <laughs> and I, I, like, you know, when I just listened to it 
plus the name, plus your artist's name, mm -hmm. um, and the whole being of water. That's it's fluid, and fluidity is very important. And I mean, uh, your have your own experience of fluidity, I would say, right? There is huge sure. gender fluidity. Yeah. So is that one big part of yeah. choosing the name? Mm -hmm. It was definitely like um, I was trying to figure out how can I encapsulate like, you know, post-power feelings, which was like me literally trying to find my footing in my body and in my gender and in my selfhood. And embracing it, and now it's like, oh, yeah, like, I can be liquid, I can be solid, I can be gaseous, I can kill you or I can nourish you. <laughs> you know, I was like, I mean, obviously also, yes, the artist's name, that was the starting point was like, okay, I don't want to call it Loaded because it's, you know, it does feel like an arrival as an artist. But also, how can I give it a little bit of a deeper meaning besides just, like, a self-titled album? And I was like, just it's just water. Like, these can be love songs to a lover, or they can be love songs to an ancestor, or they can be love songs to yourself. And, yeah, it just... Actually, one of the original titles was not water, but it didn't feel quite as right as just, like, water can can feed you and it can hurt you and it can be transformative and it feels water is a trans element like <laughs> <laughs> she's multiple genders so it just I just kept coming back to it even though you know for me to to like in English it doesn't sound like so great as a title but I was like it just the meaning of water is so deep and so vast that is just right yeah but Vasa doesn't sound <laughs> too in most languages it's not a beautiful word but it it the meaning the like what we have the the weight that we've put on it in every language is the same mm -hmm. and um let's be honest water is a very very uh, important strong body of whole earth mm -hmm. i mean it's it's most, it's most we are, yeah, yeah we are mostly water so we are also mostly yeah, water yeah um so it's uh, it's actually quite big mm -hmm. um I hear big gestures in your music there. Like, oh, very dramatic. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's theater for mm -hmm. your ears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, production wise, without getting too nerdy, um, with a whole different situation, did you feel there was a whole new way of producing your music now? Yeah, it was more focused on composing and being musical rather than focusing on percussion, which. I think I used to, I think I wanted to be a drummer originally. So that's why Lodic exists, kind of. was like, it was a production project. And now it's like, but I also am like a classically trained musician and I want to sing opera if I can <laughs> learn how. And I want to, you know, sing in tandem with an alto saxophone or a French horn or a trumpet. Like, I want us to have a duet. Like, I don't want to do, like, the classic pop star things or the classic, like, club girl things. Like, I want to do a little bit of everything because I'm a little bit of everything. I've been in the clubs. <laughs> I've been in the classic situation. I've been in the music theory classroom. Excuse me. And... 
I just decided that I'm not going to just pick one over the other. I'm going to do all of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So working with vocals, with my vocals for the first time, I was like, okay, let me go back to what I know, which is just like the deep, low, low 808s. And that's pretty much it. Like, there's not really any production. It's just like the 808s from R&B and hip-hop from the past few years. And the rest is like horns, flutes, and just me like, (laughs) you know, just combining all of my musical prowess and all of my musical history into one thing and into every song and not picking one thing to focus on. I feel like all of my previous projects were like, now I'm going to focus on melody. Now I'm going to focus on rhythm. And I needed to do that. I'm glad I did. But this one is on a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. When you get into workflow, is that you pushing through until a certain amount is done? Or do you have those phases where you just have to get up and pace around like a tiger um, Mm -hmm. to get all those ideas flowing again Mm -hmm. like water because I think movement for our body is also very very important important to get those creative ideas in. Um, So is that you just sitting in the studio going, going, going or what happens? Most of them were finished in a day because I still most more or less my process hasn't changed. Like I start basically bottom up. Like I'm like I need kind of like the core of the track which now is the chorus which is kind of like the most hummable, most singable part, Um, but also usually the most intense part, the most loud part, the most dramatic part. And then I kind of decompose from there. Mm -hmm. Like I need need to maximum, I need to do the maximal thing. And then I'm actually a very minimal person. My ears like to like have one or two things happening at the same time. But my brain needs 500 things happening. It needs to sound like there's 500 things happening. Okay. Um, So if... Like, let's say I, I take a pencil and just mm-hmm. draw a square, fill it out, and mm-hmm. then you start erasing parts with the eraser? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like okay, the bottom layer is we're going to divide the rectangle into five sections, mm-hmm. and the bottom section is all straight lines. The layer above that is all dots. The layer above that is all squiggly lines. It's very, and it's like, do I need the squiggles or do I need the dots? Like, what's more important at this moment in terms of what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to convey? And usually, I work pretty fast. If like I can't finish an idea in a day, most of the time, I scrap it, which maybe is not the best practice. <laughs> for someone who's trying to do this for the rest of their life. Um, but I, the, the songs that I do, that do, that I'm like, I need to work on this a little more. It, it usually is very obvious. For instance, Diamond, I wrote like, it started with the hymn, like the part, I don't want to give spoilers, but you know, there's a part in the middle where it's like just my vocals and it kind of goes, it kind of sounds like a Negro spiritual almost. That was what I started with, and I couldn't I couldn't write words to it for, like, a year. And then I was like, why do I allow all of this pressure? And also I had to say pressure that way, like, pressure. Because also I wanted the shh, because I knew it was corny, but I needed the water, the wash of, like, because mm-hmm. to me the pressure is, like, literally, like, overbearing, and it sounds, like, for me at that time that I was writing, it was like, 
I'm drowning. <laughs> and why do I allow, like, why am I comfortable with this? This is my default? Like, that's not healthy. Um, and there are a lot of other moments like that on the album, but that was the most, that was the last song I finished, so that's why it comes to mind first. It's funny that you say corny about that. Well, I'm a musician. I'm sensitive about my shit, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no one else will think that. I, I'm sure. <laughs> but for me, it's like, why the pressure? Yeah. I'm, it seems so obvious to me. <laughs> now that I've said it, everyone's like, oh, this corny bitch. No, I actually wrote down, because of the big gestures, um, I actually... You manage them so well without being cheesy. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Isn't that a compliment? I was huh? very much worried about. I'm like, they're gonna be like, oh my god, the brass is coming. Here it comes. <laughs> and it is. I feel like I did it though in a way that's satisfying. Like, of course, my DJ brain is like, I have to put it here. And it's hard to sometimes remember, like, DJ brain versus, like, live performance brain. Like, mm. there's a different audience there. Like, of course, the DJ people are going to know, like, yes, the, the drop is coming. <laughs> But the live audience, not going to necessarily know because they're going to be like, oh, my God, this is so... You know, it's a different it's a different experience. How much a DJ brain is still in you? I mean, is it still a very big, important part of your musical life? It's hard to put, to suppress and to f not forget. Uh, obviously, I use it as a tool, but... Um, I mean, I don't actually know, but it does, I feel like it helps me to know, like, this is the only reason I was able to write lyrics was because I know what people, I know what people have, like, the time for. Like, the track that I was just mentioning is actually, like, eight and a half minutes. But I know that I, it, it will work because I've been DJing the same song for eight minutes before. And mm -hmm. I know that if I loop, if I just hit that hot cue again at the right <laughs> moment, they're going to dance until the sun comes up. So it has helped me, like, in terms of timing. And um, it's another composition tool, to be honest. It's just, like, you know, there's classic music theory where it's, like, you know, one, four, five, one in terms of chords, but they don't tell you what that means in terms of rhythm and, um, like, intensity arcs and stuff like um, dynamics necessarily. So I feel like that is, like, the missing bridge between classic music theory and what a lot of electronic musicians do, which is more rhythmic work, more emotional work. A new album mostly means you're going to perform live which is a difference from DJing. Mm -hmm. um, but will you also translate the album to the dance floor somehow? Is there, you know, mm. remixes or, you know, performances well, in the club? I don't know. <laughs> there was not a conversation about that yet. <laughs> I mean, I've obviously been asked about remixes. I don't think I'm ready yet for that, but mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. I'm also always remixing my own self, so maybe I'll release my own remix. Yeah, you can you, you can release <laughs> a remix album. just be super obnoxious <laughs> about it. Like, it's water, Lodic's water remix album composed by Lodic again. <laughs> um, who knows? We'll see. I, that's currently not on the agenda, but I'm definitely open to it, especially after COVID and, you know, people are ready to go out. If they want to hear, why do I, at, like on the floor, on the floor beat, I, I'll give it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will perform Water Life mm -hmm. eventually. I think we can announce this now. Exclusive. <laughs> There is a show at Volksbühne on October 28th. Okay. Is so. that going to be the, like theater? 
Music it is going theater. to be me plus mm-hmm. a brass trio plus Emmanuel Biard, who worked on my last live show. So there'll be lights, music, costumes, drama, falsetto, <laughs> hair. Um, water can water also. water water can be not to spoil it, but there will also be water. But it also could be very nicely um, presented by dance, I reckon. Like mm-hmm. you know, because dance can be very fluid as well. <laughs> that is something that is. On my mind, okay. yes. Once we get our budget right, <laughs> you know how new shows can be. It's very expensive. So, You said to me uh, prior recording that you've been sitting on the album for mm-hmm. a year now. Mm-hmm. So you were done within biggest COVID times? I f- the last track I finished last summer and then mixing and mastering was done in March. Mm-hmm. How was the whole period of good old COVID for you. Horrible. <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible. I mean, just as bad as any other performer or person who could not go to work. I could not go to work. Mm-hmm. So I managed to get like a job last year. <laughs> one. and Well, before the pandemic, I had one. And then during the pandemic, I only had one job. And, you know, it got me through what it needed to get me through. But it also was like there are so many things that were already behind that mm-hmm. like all of that went to this situation that I like shouldn't have been in and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like it obviously I'm still recovering from that situation, but we are handling it. Like, this album is, like, there's a bunch of, there's a whole bunch of new members of the team that are very enthusiastic, which is good, but it's a lot for me, you know, coming from doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was rough, I think, mostly mentally, though, because, you know, finance, money comes and goes, but it was the first time that I was like, I have to go home. It was like the first time that I felt like I was not grounded to earth in any way. Mm-hmm. It was like my first time having true anxiety, like debilitating anxiety. Mm-hmm. Going home. To- I just needed any sense of home. I needed like a flat. I needed yeah. f- my friends to check on me more. I needed uh, more sex. I needed anything, you know, but I, like truly was truly homesick. Like I need to go back to Houston, Texas kind of homesick yeah. which I've never felt that before. And did you go? <laughs> I never I haven't made it back yet Okay, but we're working on it yeah because I've, I've been like I'm not working until I go back home <laughs> so did you feel um, supported enough by government whatever just like or did you feel left alone? I mean yes and no like I said like family like blood ties is a totally different thing than mm-hmm friends and like like professional support so I had the professional support and I had friends calling me regularly but I didn't feel like I had like like I said like this grounding kind of like tangible it's just always feels very lonely when you don't see people that look like you or don't know you in that way Mm -hmm. you can't explain that to no matter how close you are to somebody it's like This is my mother. Like, she gave birth to me. She knows me inside and out, you know. And I haven't been able to go home since, like, 20, 
16, I think, actually, was the last time I was there, which was kind of crazy. I didn't realize that, actually, until the, this year. Is it easier for you to go home now without Trump? Uh, yeah, definitely, because that was definitely part of the reason. I was like, I'm not coming back there mm -hmm. to Texas. <sighs> um, but now, yeah, I think I can handle it now. Uh, of course, it's still scary as a black trans person in Texas because everybody got a gun. Um, but I think I can handle it now. Yeah. It's just, you know, I gotta, my mother has to see me with this new body. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I have to do that whole thing. I've already come out to her, but she yeah. hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. How was, how was your mom with the whole transitioning? Uh, half, half. You know, she kind of, she was like, I kind of knew since you were two years old. I was like, <laughs> since two? You didn't tell me? Thank you for letting me live my whole life as a man. <laughs> and then on the other hand, it's like, you know, of course, the Texas religious bullshit kind of creeps in a little bit. Like, she's like, I'm a little embarrassed to tell the family. It's tough. It's a hard thing to navigate. I'm like, do, do I want, really want to go back? Because I don't want to hear that bullshit, you know. Don't you think it, it's part of... Uh, of your growth and, and also probably healing. And her growth as well. Yeah, yeah I do. And that's why I feel like I'm ready because I'm, I'm grown enough to tell her, like, first of all, that I am grown. Like, mm -hmm. stop saying those things. Do not call me he. Do not call me... Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so. also important to... I mean, um, we were constantly talking... I mean, in personal lives, I guess, we, we're constantly talking about boundaries, how mm. far people can go. And it's so hard to tell your own parents, hey, yeah. you actually crossed the line. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we have to really grow apart first. Like yeah. really try to cut That's off this. That's I'm, like, I'm okay <laughs> with the distance because yeah. I knew I was already transitioning mentally. So I was mm. like, I don't want her to see me with my lipstick and ga ga ga, mm -hmm. even though I'm not on hormones yet. And then when I finally came out, she was just like saying all this crazy stuff. And I was like, see, <laughs> this is why I haven't been home. And then of course, if I say that, then she's like, oh no, but I love you no matter what. And it's like, no, but you don't understand that this is important for me that you don't mm -hmm. do that when I show up. Mm -hmm. I didn't come all this way for that. I came because I, I need my mother, you know. Mm -hmm. And she has her transition too. It's going to take her time. I understand that. It's just we're, we still need some time to get on the same page. Yeah. Does she see how much work yes, and yourself yes, you yes, put yes. into the music? That I can yeah? say. She okay. is proud of me for like making it work. She still does not understand the mechanisms behind it. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I, to be honest. But... Um, yeah, it's these two, like I said, these two parallel realities where it's like mother, very proud, but also like I am from East Texas. I don't know how to process you having titties and a dick. <laughs> 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 and it's fair. I'm, I can't, but I can't, you know, what can I say? I, it's weird for me too still. Yeah. Yeah. But Which I think a lot of cisgendered people don't understand. Like it's weird for trans people too. We're well, it's also good that you actually it's talk, it's the talk one, about it. I'm the one it. that it's happening to. Yeah. <laughs> You're no, just it, seeing it. It's so important that you are so so open about it because um, without the conversation, um, without you know being yourself, uh, presenting that to people, people will never understand. It's you yeah. know they need 
I think they need constant reminders. Yeah. Hey, I'm a person. This is happening. Exactly. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very normal, by the way. It yeah, is very normal. I want normal. the same shit that you want for the most part. <laughs> I just want to pay my rent and eat good yeah. and have good sex and drink some wine. That We want the same things. Um kind of out of questions <laughs> just like just I talk. feel like that's a good place to wrap up yeah shall we yeah well then I officially thank you from the bottom of my heart because that was um that was exciting it was very educational and I think uh, that's what people need to hear love it well thank you this was very <laughs> healing for me I'm not gonna lie it was it's always nice to sort of remind have the reminder that There is value in what I'm doing. Of course. <laughs> Especially at this time where, you know, people are just streaming on Spotify where I make a hundred, a thousandth of a cent per stream. Yeah, I was going to say those couple <laughs> cents, so I'm not going to pay your rent. <laughs> <laughs> We can work on that another time. Yeah, Thank exactly. You very much. So we just need to sell your album <laughs> and your tickets for the live oh, show. I'm having vinyl at every show. Come to the merch table, honey. I'm charging 50 per vinyl. <laughs> Hope you got your cash ready. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Lodic has a couple of live shows. The Berlin one is on the same day as this episode is released. If you are listening later and still want to check out Lodic live, be sure to hop on her Instagram to get updates on the live schedule. If you have guest requests, drop us a line on Insta, for example. And as always, you can rate the podcast on Apple. Subscribe even if you don't want to miss an episode. My name is Gesine Kühne. I'm so glad Club Life is finally restarting. So see you on the dance floor. Das war der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Abonniert den Podcast bei Apple, Soundcloud, Spotify oder Deezer. Wir sehen uns im Club. Bis dann.